Say, kids, what time is it? Time for another episode of Brio TV, the podcast. I'm Bill Brio. Today's episode is brought to you by Crave, Hollywood Suite, Paramount Plus, and Super Channel. Okay, my guest is a writer, performer who has starred on TV shows on both sides of the border. You might know her from Search Party with Alias Shawcat or Carol Second Act with Patricia Heaton. And you can see her now in two shows, Farming for Love on CTV and Roast Battle Canada on CTV Comedy. Please welcome Sabrina Jalise. Sabrina, it's always a delight to see you. It's incredible to see you, Bill. I've missed you since our last time we spoke, and I'm excited I get to sit down and chat with you. Well, that that is very sweet. We spoke about, oh, what the uh, in June at the CTV uh, Upfront, right? Yes, the carousel of doors, the sort of uh, <laughs> yeah. the moving sidewalk of press. It's a thrill. It's truly like those days are incredible to me. Those days are, I think, what I dreamed of when I first started doing stand-up. It... Uh, it it is exactly as you describe it. We were in this uh, boutique hotel downtown Toronto, and you're right. It was uh, about eight doors, and you you were behind door number one or two or three. But uh, you know they had snacks, right? Oh, great snacks! And yeah. all I can ever fixate on when there's snacks like that is like I'm doing interviews and stuff, but I'm also like I've got both of my parents on both sides of my shoulders and they're both devils that want free snacks. They're like, right. you know, each of those bars are about $6 market value. So what we can do here is we can walk away $36 richer in snacks. Get them. Well, you know, they would be right. I am sorry. I noticed I grabbed just on the way out the door. I thought, oh, there's a little candy bar thing. It was as healthy. It probably was a $8 bar like it was pretty i wish i had taken about 10 of them right i i went and i did and so <laughs> <laughs> but you Good know you. karmically karmically i got mine because i came home and our a-list babysitter was not available so we went our b-list wasn't available either it was the the lower tier babysitter who we were like you know let's watch tv and not talk too much and just put them to bed and and so when we got back i had ordered a bunch of like eight dollar gorgeous seltzers you know i was doing like a little sober stretch and i was like let's make it exciting let's get these expensive sober cans of bella hadid juice (laughs) and and so i stocked the fridge with them and when this uh c-team babysitter left she was like oh you know what let me grab these for the road she grabbed three cans for the road (laughs) what Oh and I was goodness. like, oh, my God, I'm I'm your Bell Media. Right. Exactly. That's not I'm right. Mac Sugar Daddy. Um, uh, you have the one child, I believe. Yeah. We've got. Yes, we've got uh, one child, Wolfie. We've been trying for another, but uh, making Wolfie was a breeze. And um, making the second was what's the opposite of a breeze? It's been a oh, work in progress. That's fine. Yeah, playing, yeah. playing tennis in 95 degrees. <laughs> trying to get that ball over the net. <laughs> well, congratulations. Wolfie's a great name. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, my wife and I were together for a year and she woke up from a dream. So this is like 13 years ago, woke up from a dream and she goes, our baby's name is Wolfie. Really? Uh, yeah, I was like, well, my mom's going to be mad, but you're my new mom now, baby. <laughs> really attractive. <laughs> well, it's, uh, he'll, he'll uh, love that name at school. That's a great name. Oh, um, yeah. And he well, totally is a, a little baby wolf. That's nice. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. Um, 
Now, uh, let's talk about Farming for Love. I watched two episodes, and I'm getting caught up on it. And I'm not one to watch, like, The Bachelor or relationship shows, but I really like Farming for Love. Like, it's different. It's sweet. The people are astonishingly real. Uh, they don't look like they're auditioning for other shows or actors or models. Or they really want to find love. Yeah, they do. And um, how do, do you know? Um, and it was shot out in BC, I believe, right? Yeah, yes, it yeah. was sort of. I was in Vancouver in my little hotel condo above a beautiful oyster uh, bar <laughs> with a gorgeous happy hour. And I'd just be slurping oysters until I got my farming for love bat call that I needed to fly out on one of those planes that takes off from the water and lands wow. in another puddle of water to go straight to a farm to say like, so who did you kiss last night? Doug? <laughs> <laughs> it was the best gig ever. It was so incredible. And then meanwhile, my wife is taking care of our baby alone in LA. I mean, baby, he's five, but still I'm like, honey, I'm hard at work. I'm on the road. honey." Um, but it was such gig and i think that the feeling that you got is similar to the feeling that i got when i was approached for it which is like dating is i think dating shows feel like dating where it's a big sea of people that just kind of want to have sex and move on and are in it for the wrong reasons and uh, aren't seeing you as a real person and i think for me when i watch shows i like to really connect and so that it it all lies in the characters and, and the people um, that we're following on Farming for Love, starting with the farmers, are people that are genuinely looking for love, worthy of love, ready for it. And so that entry point and that buy-in with sort of no bluffing, just this, the, these are my cards and this is what I want, is a really welcome, nice energy uh, surrounded by a sea of, you know, I, I'll also watch the trashy shows. Right. You know, I watched Ultimatum Queer Love. I could I could talk about each of those characters for an hour or two. <laughs> but, but it is really refreshing to step into uh, a bit of like a just a wholesome sort yeah. of journey for connection. Yeah. No, so each of these five farmers um, and a very diverse group, they're not, you know, often you think of farmers, you think of um uh, somebody my age with a hat that's kind of torn sitting on a tractor. Um, <laughs> you, Bill, in, in overalls. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, to, you know, the, the, each of the five seem to, to have taken this very seriously. There's two two women and three men, right, on, mm-hmm. on the season. And, um, yeah, like even their commitment to it, even though they know, well, the format is – unnatural in the extent that they've got to eliminate somebody within the first 24 hours. And these are kind of like a series of speed dates, but they do seem to really think this is a genuine way to find a partner, don't they? Yeah. And I think it is. And I don't know if we talked about this at the, the hotel uh, PR circus, but I, my dad is the eldest of eight in a Pakistani family and he and his youngest brother are the only ones that didn't get married through arranged marriage. Right. And growing up, I thought this is ridiculous. 
But it is almost like I am now the auntie. I am here at the helm <laughs> of, uh, you know, I am I am yeah. presenting a bunch of options and you can pick from the options. And that's kind of the way arranged marriage in a modern way works is that mm. you meet some people and you're, and the goal is a lifetime together. Mm. What I really like about the show and I think what speaks to its success with the 485 kids that have resulted from this format and the wow. almost 200 yeah. weddings is that there is no gun to your head at the end of the series uh, with this unnatural sort of pressure of like, and now you get married. Right. It, it allows couples to meet and choose each other and decide to, to continue on their journey together. But it doesn't put this sort of sensational, um, you know, we're marching towards a wedding two months after we met situation that a lot of shows do. Yeah. And then those 200 marriages, that's way above average for these relationship shows, isn't it? I don't think there's even probably 20, you know, truly the batting average for this format. And I think the other thing is uh, for all of the disconnect of, of what city people perceive farmers as what this show does is it revitalizes that and kind of like presents, you know, farmers are modern people. They're beautiful. They have interests aside from waking up at five in the morning and milking a cow. Mm-hmm. And above all, what it takes to, to have a farm grow and work is commitment. And so that, that is, I think one of the, that's a lot of, I think what my friends that are dating in the city are feeling like, they're lacking in in partners in in like potential partners that they're meeting is that commitment it's that people are i think living in this world with the swiping and the yeah. it's all it feels so fleeting and everyone wants a constant upgrade and as someone who's been i've been with my wife now for 14 years mm. the beauty of the concept of committing is that is commitment is yeah. that we are going to go through things that are tough. Like my wife and I with this, the fertility stuff with the second child, it's like, mm. you're not always going to feel like you're winning, but you know, having each other on, on your team, being on yeah. the same team and continuing mm. to persevere that, that like in the face of loss is winning. Yeah. Well, that's what love's all about, right? You know, making those kind well, of commitments. Yeah. I do also feel like we're slowly falling in love. <laughs> well yeah that's where that's where i was that's where i was going uh thank you for yeah we, we might as well declare this now right on this podcast we there we go we should we'll call we can i can i can send sean on my wife a zoom link and she can kind of she can she can weigh in all right it'll be interesting uh yeah sandra here may have a word to, to that as well oh, so sandra uh, doesn't need a link sandra's right there yes that's true yeah um well, uh, I love that the the some of the people who are involved, uh, you know, you've got a claims adjuster. You know, your heart beats a little faster just with that phrase, doesn't it? There's if you want if you're looking for love, claims adjuster. Those are two words that really, really get me. Um, and then there's a young girl who's adorable who's never been on a date before. My God, oh this my is God. so sweet, right? Yeah, totally. You know, what a th- first date, and I think she's she stays for a while, right? Well, wait, wait and see. Yes, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and it looks like there's certain people have the home court ad- advantage. There's a woman who's uh, studied uh, uh, farming and uh, dairy farming in particular. She gets right in there. And there's another 
who shears a sheep, just boom, just first time on a farm. It's kind of remarkable to see uh, that these folks just evolve into this. Yeah, I think there's something uh, there's something to be said for the experience of just unplugging. And I, I do believe they take their phones away for the majority of the time, oh, which nice. I, I would pay money for someone to do that to me for, yep, you know, yep, a week, yep. let alone months. Yep. I think regardless of whether the daters there are the ones that end up sort of finding the connection, the forever connection with the farmers, I think it's pretty amazing to just have that experience. I know yeah. some boutique hotels outside of LA that would charge you your full arm and your full leg uh, to shear a sheep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> or to take your phone away. Um, all of yeah. that stuff. It is yeah. pretty interesting. Like a lot of the really expensive, it's all, it's all sort of like circular. It's almost like the richer you get, the more you'll pay to have just a wholesome, nice time on a farm painting a vase. Yeah. Well, sometimes sometimes I'll get a deal at this place, the Ojai Valley Inn that's close to here. And there's there's a cottage there uh, where rich people can pay, you know, like like five hundred dollars to paint on a canvas. And it's just kind of just like rich people daycare. Yeah. You can get all of that and more for free by becoming a dater on Farming for Love, which I think that the the, the application is still open for season two. We have a season two. And, I saw uh, that. Yeah. What, what, what would you advise? What would you advise to people who are applying now for season two? Do you have any tips? What would you suggest people do in order to get on the show? Well, what did you do when you met Sandra? Oh, God, there was a lot of crying and begging. There you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh that was your first that was your pickup line was crying and begging it was a lot of that yeah um sandra but when you were doing much music videos uh videos on trial sandra was doing running the pr department at much music so uh oh, that, yeah. yeah so uh, was, that was your pickup line exactly can you get me an interview yeah that was, <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah, and, and- yeah. I think when you meet the the person that fits with you, and or when you're aiming to meet a person that fits with you, the best advice is to be you, which is so frustrating. I know it, like uh, the platitudes that you get when you're struggling to sort of uh, get to the next level of the video game in one way or another. You know, I it, again with the fertility thing, there's a lot of people that'll be like, you just got to let it go and not think about it. Screw you. We're not two lesbians just letting it go, sitting on the back deck, waiting for a squirrel to impregnate us. So <laughs> I get that it sounds probably similar for like a married person to be like, just go out there and be yourself, girl. But but when you watch the show, that seems to be how it plays out. The the folks it's who true, didn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't who do seem like maybe less comfortable on camera are seem to be eliminated uh, quicker. Uh, now, yeah, it's not about on camera. I think it's just about like if you can if you can step into the who you are and the things that make you different too. It's I think oftentimes. I remember this was sort of, this is a a big journey for me in terms of my personal success with like my career was I, and I think we all go through this where you try to be the thing that is loved. You try, you see, you emulate the thing that is Hmm. getting the buzz or you try to repeat somebody else's trajectory and you get older and you realize, damn, every time the door opens, it's because 
of something that I was doing that I was genuine about that I was having fun and someone noticed the fun that I was having and they said, Oh, come have that fun over here. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I met my wife in San Francisco and I saw her dancing by herself. Really? At this party on her own dancing by herself and she can dance really well. So this is probably advice. If you can dance, if you're me, then you probably should. <laughs> but like, you know, she was just doing this thing that she loved on her own. And I, my cartoon jaw dropped and I said, I want to, I want to invite to that party of one, you know? Yeah. Good for you guys. That's sweet. We'll be back with Sabrina Jaliz in just a moment. Are you craving some new shows to stream this summer? Let's look at a couple of highlights this month on Bell Media's one-stop streaming service, Crave. Bell recently signed a deal to keep HBO originals on Crave for years to come. Among the new and returning offerings, set phasers to stun as Captain Christopher Pike returns in an all-new season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Crave also has the original docuseries, Billionaire Murderers, all about the investigation into the unsolved slayings in Toronto of Canadian power couple Barry and Honey Sherman. Finally, fire up a Crantini for the season two launch of And Just Like That, the reboot of the HBO signature series, Sex and the City. Find out who's next when it comes to riding their Peloton to oblivion. All that and so much more streaming exclusively in Canada this month on Crave. Time once again to speak with Emily Gagne from Hollywood Suite. Emily, the summer's here and time is ripe for dancing in the streets. What do you got for us this month? Well, it's going to be an action-packed summer, Bill, with our lineup of action films. Every single night in July and August, you can watch a different action film on Hollywood Suite. We've got everything from movies like Duel, which is Steven Spielberg's first film, uh, to Death Wish, to Attack the Block, to Marathon Man, to barbed wire and john wick every hero villain that you love from the action movie universe is probably on our channels this summer wow well there you have it it's an action-packed summer on hollywood suite thanks emily thanks bill and here she is again sabrina jaliz now, you've told me, we've talked before, you grew up in uh, Scarborough and North York. Your dad was a, a builder and that you spent some time sort of bouncing between different uh, building sites, house squatting yes. and things like that. Um, yes, earning 50 cents to pick up after the contractors and sweep sawdust and spending, oh my gosh, pre-tablet days, pre phones and all of this just sitting for hours on end at these material places at the tile shop at the um at yeah just just kind of being uh being a fanny pack along for the ride of of uh, my mom and my dad were learning how to build homes wow yeah amazing yeah and uh but you mentioned uh at this at the launch that 
you actually did do a bit of gardening. You found time to uh, plant a few things while you were in. Yeah, my mom is a really great gardener. Mm -hmm. And my mom's advice for us when we got married and then our our donor, she made a really sweet speech before our donor married his, our sperm donor married his wife um, about how a good marriage is like a taking care, taking care of your marriage is like taking care of a garden. You don't just plant the seeds in the beginning and nurture, nurture it when it's a little uh, sapling or a little plant that you have to continue to water it. You have to continue to make sure that the sun is shining on the plant, continue to prune it and take care of it. Um, which is so sweet. Yeah. So I, I think I'm a, I think my, if my mom was here, she wouldn't say I was a great gardener, but I, but I'm a great wife. <laughs> Yeah, so if there I could you go. choose one of the two, but my mom would, yeah, my mom is, is like pretty incredible. She's, they're now living kind of a little bit closer to downtown and they've got, my mom's got this, like, I don't know, it's maybe 10 by 20 foot garden, but she is making the food for the summer and then canning it for the winter. She's, she's really talented at, that's um, great. Yeah. And so if you uh, need, uh, hot chilies, you need, uh, yeah. I'll be, I'll be your cucumber hookup. Oh, that's all right. That's pretty good. <laughs> Which I think it's also a farming for love quote. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I wanted to ask you, like, do you find, did you have to sort of dial it back a bit with the jokes for this show? You know, well, like, it's edited. So I think that, uh, I think the editor had to dial it back. I want to see the unedited version. Like, well, you know, maybe we got to start talking about that. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the unedited version. There was uh, there was one line about Charlie. You're here with your four angels. You know, there, you, you stuck <laughs> some of those in there. I thought that was great. Um, well, there you go, folks. So if you're applying for season two, get cracking um, and uh, watch this season one. So you know what you're. And also, what do you have to lose? Right. Like, I think this is this really is one of those. One of those escalators that really has brought people to the 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 love level, mm. <laughs> and and why not just throw your ticket in and see if you see if you want to get on the escalator? There's truly nothing to lose. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and um, you know we talked a bit about um, you know it's hard for farmers to meet uh, a future husband wife, isn't it? I mean, it's a committed. You, you have to work the farm all the time. It's it's a hard job. Yeah, so. The- they they must love this show, this opportunity. That's why they're taking it so seriously. I think. Yeah, yeah, and they, I, I think the cast, the casting people do a really great job of actually really going out to the farms and talking to people. It's very grassroots because mm-hmm. it's not you know putting a, a little ad on the show saying if you're a farmer and you want to do this, come apply. It doesn't cut it because these people, a lot of them, are not watching tv they're also not the kind of people that see themselves as tv stars right yeah but they're like becoming the regular sort of you know the bachelor and all of that it's like these like sexy city people with these sort of like ass that, that already sort of maybe have like instagram followings and have a bit of a bit of the bug for wanting to be on camera where i think again what makes the show strong is that these are people that are just want to live their lives and uh and and meet someone but there's something about the two show if you're just into like you know you watch hgtv housing shows it's fascinating to peek inside these farms that that 
Kardashian of farmers. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, you know, pretty cool digs. The, the, even the barn looks pretty elegant, you know, like it's. Oh, yeah, uh, and yeah. she's doing really cool. I follow her on Instagram, uh, Instagram, girly and man. And, and she's, uh, she is part of her family owns man farms. Her dad started that farm and she's done such cool sort of um, agritourism mm-hmm things where like you know she does like a whole halloween setup and then you have like pumpkin soft serve in out of like a little pumpkin she does like cotton candy around the ice cream cone um yeah yeah, she's definitely worth a follow and she's just awesome yeah no she's pretty fun uh were you surprised i mean did you find yourself rooting for some relationships during the run of the show for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was really cool to be kind of behind the cameras and watching all of the monitors, especially in the beginning. It felt like being in the Capitol at the Hunger Games. <laughs> being kicked off where, you know, I was like, yes, tighter on him. Pull back from her. No to this guy. It was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. There's one of the young guy, the farmer. He looks like Ty Domi's son, Max. There's a. Like Wait, uh, oh the the blonde curly haired guy the youngest Are he's he? like yeah like he don't you think I mean I don't know if you if you've noticed I don't guy. know Ty Domi's son Max Max I, I never get invited he's, to those parties he's a dead ringer he's uh, playing for the Leafs now uh, uh, he looks like trouble it looks like uh, on the show it's it's perfect well he's Catholic. got you know he's uh he's making wine so there's got to be a little mischief there <laughs> um. All right. Now let's talk to oh, and the other thing about the show that's lovely which is just about how Canadian it is, isn't it? Because this format travels all over the world and in some countries it's just called farmer takes a wife, right? Or something. Yeah, which is good for the rest of the world, but I was excited to be a part of a version that wasn't a farmer yeah. taking a wife, but uh, you know, farm farmers finding love, it it is Canadian. It leave it to Canada to take a concept that can lean a little chauvinistic, like all the dating shows that are, you know, it's a bunch of women standing in front of a man saying, choose me, choose me. It feels really nice to have women in there. Um, It feels more empowered. It's obviously, you know, if I was to choose whether I would be a farmer or a dater on the show, you would want to be the farmer. You want the whole menu, the whole menu to choose from. And, um, and in the second season, we actually also have um, a gay farmer. So that'll be exciting, too. That's um, perfect, yeah. Yeah, just not narrowing it down to to a man um, and a bunch of women vying for the man's attention. That was important to me. That was the thing I always hated. I, I was asked for a few years to overnight um, uh, on um, – the bachelor for the toronto star just to do a quick what does that mean well it's just literally watch it and write it so by 10 o'clock i had to file so that people who were fans of the show could read wow. my recap of it and i hated it and i would mock the fact that the camera would pan on these legs of these women getting out of cars and pan up and and it was the most sexist ridiculous show like i really found it offensive um mm-hmm. you don't it doesn't really- center love and connection it centers exactly what you said it centers sex yeah and, and kind of shame along the way too. kind of i imagine the the people standing behind the monitors on those shows are like yes she embarrassed herself <laughs> whereas truly right. on farming for love if something happened that would be like a showcase piece for the bachelor i was surprised because for me sometimes i'd be like oh that'll be good tv and the producers are like no it's not really the show which yeah. i thought was 
cool. Like when, when someone would do something um, performative or, you know, in the beginning, um, it's embarrassing or whatever it was, it was, that was never centered on the show. It was always about, no, we're going to follow the ball of who's connecting and, and who's yeah. having a hard time connecting for sure. There's got to be tension, but it, it really is following the, the story of love. Yeah. And these are the times we're in. There was a time when, you know, watching people being humiliated on TV was a spectator sport and that's what sold. But I do think it's a kinder time or people are, looking for something more positive right and so um the show is very much in tune with the times i think that way it is it is well it might be a good segue to talk about roast battle canada i honest to god that was i just saying speaking of ruthless humiliation <laughs> the times have changed, they've shifted but there's still a desire to watch someone get made fun of i i, I said you know you that's people that signed up for that right and right that's that, and that's how that's different where it, it, it and ultimately you could you could call that love i think to me <laughs> i will if i meet my friend's new girlfriend they that girlfriend better say something kind of jokingly disparaging about my friend because it indicates comfort, right? Like what's better than meeting someone that can make fun of you and you can make fun of them. That's I'm spending the weekend with four buddies from high school to do exactly that. So uh, yeah. Yeah. You're you're having your very own personal roast battle Canada. We're having our very own. Yeah. We're going to have a a actual barbecue roast battle Canada. Yeah. Um, What are you guys going to do? Um, you know, it's a cottage up north. Uh, my dad built in 1947. We've been going up since we were in high school. And uh, one of the guys, my buddy Pat Bullock, he and I used to do some some stand up way, way back in the day. Um, uh, I'm sure you've heard of Bullock and Brio. Our fame was spread over three or four streets of Etobicoke. Are you there kidding? I have every album. Do every you album. Really? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, this you say little... set up, I'll say the punchline. I know every Bullock and Brio. I know oh. every joke. The, the funniest joke ever in anything we did, we did a week at the Stone House in uh, Scarborough, and we were not uh-huh. ready. And uh, they actually throw stones. At their, like, well, they, they they thank God. But, the, you know, we did it. We had all our friends there the first show. And then the next six, they were the same seven drunks who were at the bar. And so I'm telling some, you know, <laughs> we're trying to do our shtick. And I'm bored and nothing's happening. And I said, has anybody seen any good films lately? Anybody read any good books? Voice from the back. I'm reading one now. And, uh, so oh, the, the, the funniest line from any of our shows wasn't anything we said. Uh, <laughs> it was an indication. Maybe well, time- I like that. I like that you you've stayed consistent even in your stand up. You were like still you were already like kind of a, a media critic. You were like, who's read what? Who's been watching <laughs> what? What do we think of the TV shows? It was planned just that way, uh, Sabrina. Yes, thanks for, for pointing that out. Um, but my God, I watch Roast Battle Canada, and it's withering. Um, these folks that uh, are, are, if people haven't seen this series, it's been on, was this the third season? This is the third season, yeah. And yeah. we're going to shoot the fourth very soon. Wow. Um, so you're among the judges there, and... Um, uh, you've got Ennis Esmer. Is he back as host for? Uh... Unfortunately, yeah, Ennis will be back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh. What? Well, I play poker with him, and I take his money. And when you take someone's money that often, you feel like you can kind of push them around. 
Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's it's truly it's it is it, it does seem quite bipolar, doesn't it? When I'm talking about the two shows, it is, which is good. You've got the yin and the yang. Uh, yeah, so, you, so you're yeah. sitting there with Russell Peters, uh, sitting there with Russell Peters while he gets messages from his lawyer, and then <laughs> to my right, I've got K. Trev, who's just a s- sweetie and really a roast connoisseur. Like whenever he goes first and s- says something about the roast, I'm like, oh shit, I better. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not like a professional roaster. I am certainly a comic. And I think part of comedy is, is sometimes taking those jabs. It's not really my style. I guess from video on trial, though, that's what we were doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look look at me going into the first season trying to justify why I got cast in this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I do belong in the show and yet, um, it's fun. I just get, I, I, after so many years of being a comic, it's nice to have a little bit of power where it's c- completely arbitrary in the show who wins or loses. It's really about the fun being yeah. had, but it's really nice, especially after it, the eras that I've performed in, which, you know, I started in 1922, uh, <laughs> I for you guys at the Stonehouse. Right. Yeah. We opened for you, I think. You opened for me and I opened for you. Then I read a book in the back. (laughs) Where did you do? Where was your first stand up? Where did you start? Yuck, yucks. Young and Eglinton. Of course. Yeah. And doing, you know, just like so many road gigs pre me Too, pre just any sort of uh, thought that these green rooms that I was in as like 16, 17, 18 year old were completely like just vile and bad, but I was having fun. And I, I think as sort of like a tomboy, I'd never left an opening. And yet sometimes these older creepy, there, there were moments I, either way, this long drive is to say that it is, it feels really nice to sit there and go with my gut and choose from a list of like really talented people. And oftentimes it is the woman that I find funniest. And that becomes kind of a joke between the comics. But, but like about time, you know, about time that someone was sitting there with a different sensibility than a lot of the judges and the competitions when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's really exciting also to be exposed to like this short list of, of comics that are up and coming in Canada, because I left about 16 years ago and, you know, there feels you feel disconnected from the scene that kind of created you. And, and yeah. Roast Battle Canada has been my reconnect. More with Farming for Love host Sabrina Jalees after this. Actress Zoe Saldana is putting a pause on her Star Trek career and beaming down to Earth for the much-anticipated brand-new series from Taylor Sheridan entitled Special Ops Lioness. Based on real-life events, see Toronto native Laisla de Oliveira as she joins Nicole Kidman in this exciting spy-based thriller. From the training of recruits to the on-job assignments, the women of Lioness Special Ops are the real kings of the jungle in the war on domestic terrorism. All this and much more is yours. There's a mountain of entertainment on Paramount+. Plus. Look, up at the set. 
It's a movie. It's a show. It's Super Channel. When calls the heart? This summer on Super Channel. That's when. Now in its 10th season. Catch up on this homegrown Canadian drama. It's heart and home time for all your favorites. And there's good news on Fuse. Can you keep some castle secrets? All will be revealed. Join us for a fascinating look into days of yore. We've lowered the drawbridge on eight new episodes, all on Super Channel. And good news, farmers. We're back. What was it, uh, your very first time that you got up? Was it an open mic? What was it? Were friends saying you got to try this? Like, what, what was it that drove you to I do that? Went, I realized that going to see stand-up was uh, about the same price as going to see a movie. And I said, well, this is a bargain, guys. This is live performance. Let's go. And, I, and then the second beat was I realized if we sat in the front row, the comics would make fun of us. I'm like, right. well, scratching all the itches. It's a deal. I'm getting attention. And then I realized... I could go on stage. I was leaving one day. I, I, I Now we'd gone to about three shows and I was leaving and they were handing out flyers and it said amateur night. And I said, what is this? They said, well, just call the number, say your name and they might pick you to go up. So the very first time that I called, I got chosen. Wow. And I went up and had, you know, a really incredible experience. I, I'd love to see footage. I don't know wow. what happened. You know, like you killed it the first time out. I got laughs. I got off stage. I felt like I was floating. A a bodyguard kind of security guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Uh, Mr. Breslin would like to talk to you in the back. Mark Breslin, who owns Yuck Yucks, happened to be coming by to pick up some mail, saw my set, and he said, "Um, I just wanted to tell you that you've got something and you should keep on coming here. And I'll tell Jack who runs the the mic that he should put you on when you call. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to say, you're very, very green, but um, you got something. And I didn't know what green meant. And for the first year <laughs> of my comedy career, I thought green meant like you're in the money. You quickly found out the, from Mark Breslin that that wasn't what he meant at all. Was it? No, that wasn't what he meant no. at all. The yeah. second time I went up, I bombed. Oh um, my goodness. Wow. And so, and then there, and that's exactly that, that started it all. I, I, uh, but I, I just, it was to me, it was kind of like an extracurricular activity. I was, 16. And so as long as I was getting good grades, my parents were like, you can go out and do stand up. And within a year, I was doing sort of road gigs and opening for people at colleges. And, um, and so then by the time I went to Ryerson, or the artist formerly known as Ryerson, right? Yeah. Um, I was there for radio and television, but I was sort of on the road as a comic and I was writing that, uh, that uh, column in the Toronto star for yeah, a while. That's where I first uh, encountered you uh, writing. Did, were you, were you already writing that column before you were doing stand up? or? No, I had started doing stand up, and then all of these, you know, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I uh, sort of opened that door and then the other doors started opening where I was doing little things on the radio on CBC. And yeah. um, and so then my degree at Ryerson became kind of something like almost like a um, like a business I was running where I was like paying people to take notes and rescheduling my tests. And um, <laughs> <Smart>. <laughs> but it taught me to get a lot of things done at the same time. So yeah. now 
I feel like I'm sometimes I'm in a writer's room, but I'm also doing a other project and I'm doing a stand up and all that. It, it, I think doing, going to college while, while pursuing all of this was a good primer for, for just being able to get, get a bunch of stuff done. Well, plus you were always writing, right? I mean, your own material, but uh, throughout your career, didn't you write on uh, Baroness uh, on sketch show as well, right? And- yes. I wrote on Baroness. I got my first um, staff writing job here in LA about eight years ago um, or nine years ago on the show crowded, which was a, a NBC sitcom. Yeah. And then that became almost similar to like when I first stepped on stage at yuck yucks, I was like, wow, this is incredible. I can truly in a writer's room, the pressure is way lower. Mm -hmm. The snacks are unlimited. (laughs) The pay is delicious. And after living in America for, you know, almost a decade without real health care, introduced the WGA and, and the health care through that. And it was like, this is what I'm doing, baby. This is, this is. Do you find you speak? I speak to. I, I did a podcast with Hart Hansen, who produced Bones. He's Canadian American producer, and he basically was saying, you know, he did a lot of shows in Canada. He did Traders and different things before going to the states. And his theory was that if you could make it in television in Canada, you can kill in the U.S. because you've had to sort of claw your way through and work a lot of different things in order to make a living. So that when you arrive in the U.S., you have talent and uh, other, you know, uh, talents that you might well, not otherwise have. You've got a manager, have. you've yeah. got a team of agents. You know, in Canada, I had one agent when I was lucky and I had, and I was represented, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of showed up. My first good manager had to kind of sit me down and say, like, try less, like, put the business cards away, delete the email signature that s- says, you know, someone reviewed you as funny. I'm going to do that for you, yeah. which is you know, way more attractive. Yeah. yeah. And so if you, yeah, I think there is, there is a overcompensation that we have to do in Canada that we have to uh, on one level sort of step back from and trust that, okay, there's other people that are going to do that for me. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you've got to work really, really hard to to make a living in Canada. There's less opportunity. And mm. so if you come here and put that same work ethic in, uh, you certainly can make it. And there's, there is, there are tons of shows to be staffed on. And I felt actually similarly to, I was really grateful that I moved from Toronto to New York because New York mm-hmm. is way harder. I felt like the move from New York to LA was like taking my feet out of a blender and putting them in a foot bath. It was, <laughs> you know, the birds are chirping, the weather's nice mm. and, and the job's, are here. There's tons of there's tons of networks to pitch to. I felt like similarly to Canada, it's like in Canada, it was like there's like a few people that need to like you to to get past the gate. And similarly in New York, it was it's it's very Comedy Central and MTV is cool, yeah. like king over there. If you don't have representation, you've got to impress those few people. But in LA, if you create a pitch and you've got representation, you've got dozens of places to pitch it to. Mm-hmm. And you, it's, people are hungry for ideas. I mean, speaking of New York, did you ever audition for Saturday Night Live? I never did. Wow. And I think for all this talk about work ethic, I'm not cut out for that kind of work ethic. I, I you know, I don't, I, I do, 
I think it would be incredible. And obviously, if I got the audition and I got to be on SNL, that would be I have friends that have, have gone that route and I've got to hang out in the green room and it's electrifying. It's incredible. It's really, really cool. But especially now with a kid and, and trying yeah. for another, oh, no, no. And just, yeah. I, I enjoy my life above mm-hmm. every feeling that I've ever gotten from career stuff. Hanging with my family is like, that's the ultimate. Absolutely. Discovering things with them. Mm -hmm. That sort of, um, I I sometimes am jealous of people that are like, I've got to like finish this scene before I, you know, can, can go have dinner. And I'm, I'm more like, uh, well, it's it is five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty. I exci- love the feeling of getting the work done, right? Don't you? Well, lo- you love the feeling of reading yes. something written, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, this is awesome!" But to get there, yeah, no, I hear you. Exciting to live in New York, though, right? I would think. Oh my gosh, it's yeah, awesome! Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. is awesome. Yeah, it's no place like it, and I love. We go there at least once a year. And we have this fantasy that Wolfie will go to school there or we'll go do an internship there. And then we like, it'll be our job to just kind of stalk him, but also have an amazing life. And we've got our friends there that we miss. And so I do envision at some point we would go back there and spend time there. But yeah. actually, also I want to go live everywhere with the yeah. internet zoom. I would really love to just, you know, have a year in Sicily or something, have a year yeah. in Barcelona. Brampton. That's what I meant. Oh, did I say yeah, Barcelona? Yeah, Brampton. Brampton. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the R is silent, and, <laughs> in there and all of a sudden Brampton starts yeah. sounding like loser Barcelona. The R is the only thing silent in Brampton. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, but LA. I love. I lived in LA for a couple of years. Loved it there too, especially you oh, know. Cool. Where did uh, you live? Uh, Sherman Oaks, um, nice. near the. Uh, a fashion mall. What do you call it there? On uh, you know, it's a uh, Trader Trader. Valley, right? near, is the in the valley near Trader Joe's. That's the important thing. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, a long, long time ago. Um, okay, well, listen. Uh, I wanted to ask too about Patricia Heaton and uh, Carol's second act. We talked when you were doing that show a few years ago. Um, what did you learn from her? I mean, she's just a sitcom veteran and. Yeah, um, I learned, I learned that if the person at the top of the show treats people nicely, then you have a happy, good set. Cause she always treated every person on set kindly and patiently and didn't, you know, it was, you, I think you hear about these nightmares and people that are far away from the industry. You read about the nightmare person and you think, oh, wow, this is, especially with the Me Too erupt, the, erupting first with like yeah. Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood. Mm. I think it's a false impression because it happens everywhere, but in Hollywood, there was power within women to be able to expose it. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that aside, I think what I learned from Patty was that you continue to work hard no matter how uh, good you are or how much you have. And, you know, she was always on time. She was always kind to people. And that was cool and inspiring and heartwarming. Mm -hmm. It was my first time acting on a sitcom. She was really just kind and sweet and folded me in and um i'm still friends with her nice that's great but you took to it well you as the doctor uh one of the young doctors on the show you know it was fun to watch 
Um, but I'm here. Anytime someone wants to give me an acting gig where I wear uh, elastic waist pants every day, I'm down. <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah, no, it was, it, it was fun. Um, but I'm hearing more and more from people like Patricia or even producers. If it's their fourth or fifth show. Um, one of them was said to me, they have a no assholes policy, right? Like they've been through situations with, where that wasn't so nice on the set you got to work long hours and all the rest of it you want to be it with be there with people you like right and that makes a big difference i think we and we all aim for that and the more sort of power you have the more you can be selective and actually manifest it i'm trying to do it too Obviously, you're trying, but failing today, talking to me. No, no. Um, I, I, I work for myself. I, I, I got downsized by so many papers. I finally said, if I'm going to work for one more asshole, it's going to be me. <laughs> so. I can hear Sandra in the background saying, sing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's that, that is the ideal that like there are we all know friends and people and coworkers that there is a way through that is uh, cutthroat and stepping on people to get mm. higher. And that's certainly a way. But the other way through that I find that I've work with more often and and uh and gravitate towards is flow and trusting each other and collaborating and tv is so collaborative mm-hmm. um film it's all it's so many arms need to come together and of course along the way everyone's blaming makeup wardrobe and hair for <laughs> for going late but at the end of the day every single person uh is important to pull the thing through and make yeah. it and make the story happen. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask, I know you've got two jobs right now, uh, but I think you have something else in development. Do you have anything else you can talk about at this time? I or? do. Yeah, I have. I'm writing a movie right now. Well, I'm actually not writing right now because I am on strike right now. Right. But as soon as the strike is over, um, I'll be continuing along that long journey of, um, of completing a movie and, um, and hopefully shooting it. Warner brothers bought the movie and I'm working with um, Berlanti and Kay oh. Cannon's company oh. uh, on that wow. movie. And that movie is the story of how we made Wolfie. It's sort of a rom-com about finding your donor. Oh, my God. That's, fa- <laughs> that's fantastic. That will be the title that sticks. So that's, that's the, the, the baby in my work belly. And, um, and and you're working with Greg Berlanti. I mean, only the most yes. successful television producer the last uh, 15 years or so. Yeah, I've worked with them before. Sarah wow. Schechter is the is the person that I'm working with there, and they're they're really great. It's really it's it's nice to collaborate with producers that are, are really again. It's like farming for love. The intention is about pulling mm. the pulling the story through and. Oh, is that what Farming for Love is? Yeah, pulling the love story through. Um, <laughs> Farming for Love, CTV, Sundays at 7 p.m. And uh, and then, of course, on Mondays at 10.30 on the CTV Comedy Channel is right. Battle Canada. So I'm you glad wedge, you spelled that you out. wedge the promo into another story, <laughs> and they barely feel it, but they know they've got to turn on the TV on Mondays and Sundays. Mondays and Sundays. The, the rest of the week, come on, write your script. Speaking um, of speaking- and Speaking of streaming, streaming. Yeah. Cause those shows you can stream them you as well. Stream, you can yeah. stream them as well. Yeah. And then speaking of streaming, um, I was working on Dan Levy of Shit's Creek fame. I've heard of him. Yeah. And my friend Ali Pankyu sold a show to Hulu. And so I was working with them on uh, a show called standing by, which is 
about it's it's about the afterlife and about how uh, it's it's this fantasy world where upon dying you become uh the guardian angel to the living uh but obviously a flawed guardian angel and um dan levy is at the center of it and glenn close is in it and it's really cool and then i shot a movie as an actor i did some acting in june um, but I can't say what that project is, but it's a cool movie that I shot that I got to act in. Wow. Oh, my That's... God. I have a cool other thing. Go ahead. I have a podcast with Audible that I'm doing with my friend May Martin, and that's oh, going to be out wow. in the fall. It's coming out in the fall? Coming out in the fall, and maybe that's all I should say about it. I think all that's right. all. We don't have a title yet. We're going to save that. We're going to save that. All right. (laughs) We're going to push for the title. Well, you're going to kill that as well. I'm glad to have uh, gotten this opportunity to talk to you now. Uh, You're way too busy to uh, be doing other people's podcasts. So thank you so very much for doing this one. Um, Thank you very much, Bill. I just wanted to finish up with three quick questions all Mm -hmm. about television. What are you watching now? What are you streaming? What are you binging? What's your favorite new show? Well, I've been watching it this entire interview, and <laughs> <laughs> I was the last show that really t- grabbed me and took me was Ultimatum Queer Love. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, so um, I have so not had a chance. Then, to- since then, you know, I like took a taste of the Idol and said, "No, nah, I don't like that. I don't like the taste of that." Right. Um, and oh, the other two, the other two, I've been watching. That's so funny. I, I haven't, you know, I, I've got some catching up to do. I'm always embarrassed because I, I write about television and I talk to people all the time who just mentioned three shows that I haven't seen yet. Cause, you know, uh, that's my life too. And I think that it's because we're so busy creating. Well, maybe that's something to do with it. But uh, it's just, it's so uphill trying to keep up with TV these days, right? There's so much to watch. But the other two, I I would say, is a solid all Righteous right. Gemstones is is good too. Eating I, I like that show. So yeah, fantastic. All of those guys are great. Um, uh, they're all very funny. Um, now, when you were a youngster growing up in uh, Scarborough and uh, North York, um, what were you watching? What was your favorite TV show? Was there something you used to race home from school to see? Look, all the Sabrina heads know it's going to be Party of Five, and right. all the Sabrina heads know that Sabrina was. Pretending to have a crush on Scott Wolf, but only because she wanted to be Scott Wolf while he was hooking up with Jennifer Love Hewitt. And every Sabrina head out there knows that I threw Jennifer Love Hewitt birthday parties on her actual birthday where I made cakes in the shape of her face and that I would pause the TV when it was on Sarah, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character. And I would... I, I don't know how I still in my mind was like, I am not a lesbian. <laughs> the screen. I would kiss the screen. I'd say, mm, there's my friend. <laughs> there's my friend right there. <laughs> well, you know, a her little kiss for my friend. Her name is Jennifer Love Hewitt. You know, you can't help oh, but do name. that. Uh, yeah. Now, so are you going to cast her on one of your projects? When When is this going to happen? Right. Well, it's it's like it feels like flying too close to the sun, you know. What what could happen now? We're both married. It's like all that could happen is something disappointing. Or I I do I think one day it'll happen. One day it'll happen. We'll have to yeah. meet some, someday. All we right. live in the same town. I'll oh, there you are. I'll, yeah, I'll, I don't know what to do. My friend <laughs> does know her. 
I I don't know what to do. Like I have to do something. <laughs> you see my, my hands are ringing right now. You've really made me nervous. Uh oh. Oh, well, let's move on. Like Barbara Walters style interview. All you said was, "What show did you watch as a child?" And I'm like, I don't know what to do about her. Okay, <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> Barbara made people cry. I just get them hand wringing. I think it's a, it's, you know, <laughs> my, I got sweaty hands. My hands are crying. Um, moving on, the last question: uh, Your favorite all-time TV theme song? I'll be there for you. I'll be there because you're there for me too. Dun, 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 dun. That's fantastic. You know, I've done a hundred of these episodes, and this is the first time the theme from Friends has been chosen. I'm so oh, I'm so shocked. I thought that was Party of Five, so excuse oh. me for knowing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what is Yeah, actually, you know what? That is that's the one that I choose, and it's Friends, not Party of Five. It's all right. Legitimate choice. The Rembrandts. The Rembrandts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I love that show too. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. It was pretty popular. Uh, Sabrina, congratulations on so many fronts. Um, you know, it's it, tremendous having two shows on right now that are really fun to watch. People have Thank to you. see on uh, Sunday nights at 7, Farming for Love on CTV and ctv.ca and streaming on the CTV app and all the rest of it. Uh, and Roast Battle Canada on uh, CTV Comedy on Monday nights. Uh, and then the other five nights, just do what he would take them off. Just save them up and wait until Sunday and Monday come around again. Sweet. You know what? I say just snooze on those five days. Snooze on those five days. Yeah, um, fresh, fresh and awake for Sunday 7, Monday's 1030. I like your choice to not wedge the, wedge the plugs into the middle of a personal anecdote. Interesting <laughs> choice. <laughs> to yeah. Your own proper sentence. If I, if, yeah, you know, don't tempt me. Um, <laughs> but uh, always a delight. These other projects you've got sound astounding. With and the collaborations, amazing. You know, it's really very, very exciting. So congratulations. Well, thank uh, you for making me feel good, Bill. No, my pleasure. Like likewise, and uh, best of luck with your family and uh, whatever direction it takes next. Uh, yes. Congratulations, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Bill. Anytime. Thanks, thanks a lot, Sabrina. Take care. I'll Be There For You, the theme to Friends, was Sabrina Jolie's pick for her all-time favorite TV theme song. At one point, it looked like a song by R.E.M. would be used as the Friends theme. That band, however, turned the opportunity down. Up stepped the Rembrandts, a pop duo on the Warner Brothers label. They recorded a theme song that is still worming its way into pop consciousness today. Thanks, as always, to producer Phil Hong for all the care and flourish he brings to each one of these episodes. I'd also like to thank all of the amazing publicists who arrange for guests to share their stories here at Brio.tv. Thanks also to our sponsors, whose contributions make these podcasts possible. Finally, thanks to you, listener, for finding time to share in these conversations with the people who make the television we love. Please favor us with a like or a comment 
or if you're feeling especially ambitious, a review. I'm Bill Brio. Thanks for listening.